You're listening to the Burlesque Podcast, brought to you by BurlesqueCasting.com. Find the gigs you want. Hey there, this is Lily Von Stuck with the Burlesque Podcast. I, uh, it's been on hiatus for a fucking long time, but we're back, and we're back for good reason. Uh, I just shut down my show, Monday Night Tees, after uh, producing for what seems like a decade. Because uh, it probably was. <laughs> Close to it, I don't know. Uh, but I'm here with my friend Hannibal. Um, I start with words, my friend Hannibal, because I am delighted that you are my friend. Yeah? Um, it does, it does. I, uh, I talked about this a little bit at the show. Um, the day I met you was the day that my life got brighter. In a lot of ways, it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hannibal's a magician. Yes, I am. He's a storyteller. I'm a liar. Yes. He's a he's a good guy. <laughs> I am a good guy. I'm learning to be able to say that now. It's part it's, of my therapy. Well, it's funny because based on the show you did last night, you should be able to say that really easily. <laughs> Although that's probably not something I've ever seen in print. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't printed that out yet. No, I. Uh, yeah, did we, we did good work last night. We did. It was fun. But this isn't about that. This is about you. The Burlesque Podcast, um, I started it back in 2007, I think. It may have been earlier than that. Um, I came out of radio and wanted to kind of bring my experience in radio into sharing these amazing people that I met in Burlesque. I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of amazing legends, many who aren't still with us, a lot of people who started the Burlesque movement, and a lot of people who now have changed what burlesque is in, sure. in a certain way. Sure. Um, when I shut the show down last night, uh, I called you and I had asked you to be in the final show because I couldn't think of a better way to end the show. I couldn't think of a better way to take something that I had put my heart and soul into for so long and let it go. And I think that's why I wanted that particular act to end the show. Um, okay. How much do you want to talk about that? I mean, as much as you want to. I don't know if you want to give the whole thing away. I don't know if that's because it's not online. Is it the Naked Truth? Um, no, but there is a one of my. Um, There's this, there is a story about it, so I'm not giving yeah, away any secrets. I'm not giving away any secrets. Okay. It has been written about in detail, and there's a video on my YouTube channel of me talking about it and, and okay. the process of it, and some pictures. But can we talk about the process of how it changed a little bit specifically for the show? Sure. Okay, so. Here goes. Here's the interview part of the show. Okay. I don't really do an interview anymore. I kind of like just talk with my friends. Um, so in deciding to shut down Monday Night Tees, which was a stage here for burlesque literally since 2003. It started over at the Derby, came over to uh, the three clubs in 2005. I started co-producing it in 2007, doing solo production in 2009. And, and the goal when I started it was what brought me into burlesque, and that was acceptance. I personally was not accepted in high school. I had big boobs. My parents had money. I was a whore and too good for everybody. Right. Um, things that I have carried with me for life. Um, okay. when, you, when you got huge tits at a young age, um, guys either want to fuck you or tell their friends they fucked you. It I was can't Yeah, well, but you can in other ways. We all can. Sure. Um, my first experience on stage was incredible because it was the first time in my life I had ever been treated by another burlesque dancer who was a female in a positive way sexually. Because most times men 
kind of wanted to fuck me and their girlfriends kind of wanted to or kind of knew that and it was always an uncomfortable situation sure. I w I had more male friends than female friends I relate to sex a little bit differently than the average woman um, because I have no pretense about it I have no you know oh, I'm saving myself for marriage kind of stuff uh -huh. so to have a woman as I'm getting ready to head to to stand up in line to go perform straighten up the lines on the seam of the back of my my hose slap me on the ass and go you know go out there and knock him dead literally it was a moment of wow women really are good to other women that does happen yeah and it was Surprise. it was a really it was a really different experience for me and it's an experience that a lot of women are drawn to burlesque to which leads me to why i asked you to close my show Okay. People will say, why is there a man in burlesque? Why is there a man closing your show? This is a female-driven art. This is a... And you had two men closing. I did. I, I did. The last two um, acts were men. And I, and I didn't do that because I was like, um, they were better. In that particular show, I had three title holders. Mm -hmm. And I based the show on a couple different factors, putting the lineup together. And the strongest thing to me was ending with two men because it changes the perspective of how we all see ourselves and see each other. Right. Um, this particular act I introduced by saying that I met you at the Magic Castle and thought you were absolutely amazing and decided that I wanted to have you at my show and couldn't believe you said yes. You came and did magic at my show and then you came and did The Naked Truth for me. Yeah, Why do you look at me like that? Because people say that to me all the time and I, I don't understand that perspective. I have, I have so many... I, I can't give you a concrete example other than to say the, the first thing that pops into my mind is I do this work for the NDA and yeah. I do some work for the USO and and then I'll do the the odd private home party every once in a while but every often I hear wow I can't believe you'll, you'll actually work for us well here's and why I, I don't get it I, well, I'm like of course I would why wouldn't I work for you you don't realize this about yourself you have an air of confidence I do? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of people will often think it's an air of aloof, which Matt was talking about that word last night. Sure. Um, when burlesque, which is a DIY kind of thing, it's done by women on stages where we basically have beaten against all odds and convinced some guy that ran a club to give us a stage. Sure. Usually because they're like, ah, tits are cool. You know, there's a lot of that. that, that ha I mean, there's the male-female of doing this type of work is... Not the best, and if you have yeah. to deal with sexism in all of your life, there's nothing like there's nothing worse than having the guy that is the booker at the club be and the guy. Are. Yeah, be yeah. the guy that also is the gatekeeper to you being able to do your art, and it's kind of shitty. Yeah. Um. So it, it's weird. So when you walk up to someone like you and I say, "Hey, I have a show on Monday night. It's a little tiny venue. Uh, it pays thirty dollars. Would you come do the show?" I lead with that. I lead with that because. When you ask people who are established in their industry to come do a smaller show, even though Monday Night Tees was an established show, oftentimes people will say, which is a mantra in burlesque as well, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Right. Um, this show was more about people. The show is more about community. The show is more, it was, yeah. it's a little show on a Monday night. Again, it's not a corporate backed event. It's me basically going, Hey, I wonder how much money I'm going to lose or not lose this week. <laughs> I'd love to pay my rent. Sure. Um, I say that even though, Fuck, I paid my bills for the last 10 years and managed to eat and survive in L.A. Right. Having that Monday night tea show and parlaying it into other things, which I'll talk about when I talk about the demise of the show at some point. 
I wanted you there because I recognized in you the same thing I recognize in any performer that gets on stage. And with The Naked Truth, when you approached me and said, hey, I have this idea and I do this show, and I just literally went, yes, oh my God. Oh yeah, right it's, it's wheelhouse for what we do. So I introduced you last night. I brought you up on stage. And uh, you did what you do and brought a room of people who just spent the night cheering for tits to tears. And then back to cheering again. Right. It's an amazing thing. It's what I do. It's, it, it makes me happy to do that. It, it, I've, I've had people describe it as manipulative and, but a good storyteller is manipulative. You, you, this is the emotion I want to get out of you. I want you to dig deeper into yourself because it's not me pulling these memories and emotions and things. You know my grandmother joke? Yeah. I always, after it's done, I always go, you know, you didn't picture my grandma. You pictured yours. Stories are like that. When I don't, I don't directly tell, so, so often I don't directly tell, this is this, and here's the description of this person. I set it up more of a, of a way to, to pull images out of yourself. And with The Naked Truth, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to take you deep as you can in yourself so you can later on unbur- unburden these things from yourself without having to have me there. Because at least I've got them to... I always say the stage is not a therapy couch. When I tell people when they're creating acts, I say, you know, if you were raped as a child or if uh, your dad was mean to you or if this happened or that happened, seek therapy because it will give you the tools to get rid of those hang-ups. And then when you come to burlesque, you can tell stories that are uplifting and amazing rather than re-traumatizing yourself on stage every time, dealing with those issues again, which unfortunately... Some people do. You yeah, watch when you it. when you hear the artist, and I'm not just talking about burlesque. When you hear about the artist who is a tortured soul, you have two options. You can take that that stuff and you can relive it and hurt every time, or you can take that stuff, present it, and use it as a cathartic experience. Yes. That's why I wanted to close with you. Okay. Because you gave a gift to the audience that we often take from the audience, I think, when we're doing burlesque sure. in a way. I can see that. So tell me about The Naked Truth. Okay. So, gosh, three years ago, maybe four years ago, um, I, someone recommended uh, Amanda Palmer's book to me, The Art of Asking, which dealt a lot with busking. I was being told at the time from people that I care about that, um, busking was illegitimate and that I didn't need to slip back into it every time that the bills weren't getting paid or, or, or whatever. I should strive to move to bigger venues. I should try for bigger things. I shouldn't always fall back on street performing. And while there's there's valid points to that argument, I didn't like looking at what had built my career as something that was cheap. Yeah. So I, I, I read her book and she's all about pro busking and then about um, crowdfunding and source funding. And I thought, what a great idea, you know, what, you know, that, that helped me with a, with a, a few things. Um, but in one of the chapters, she talked about, in the midst of one of her musical acts, um, tossing out a handful of Sharpies and ripping her top off and just saying, write whatever you want on me. Just let me be your canvas, let me be your art. And that's fascinating. But what if you made it empowering? What if you made it meaningful, more so than just 
I'm the canvas, write what you want, write your own poetry or whatever. And so which my, which yes. I will say, mm -hmm. from a woman's perspective, that is that is a very empowering thing for her. Oh yeah. I don't think that was as empowering for the audience. No, not so yeah. much. It, it's 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 her showing her vulnerability, yes. and her her willingness to be vulnerable for her audience. But I wanted to include them. Everything I do, my whole show, every show I've written has been about us. You know, it's not me standing on a stage just preaching to you. Which is why I was drawn to you. I said it last night. I didn't perform in the final show at my venue you because. Didn't. The stage isn't about just me. It's about the experience with the audience. Right. And as a producer, showcasing those people was what was important. You had some great jokes, though. No, oh, thanks. <laughs> so keep going. I don't mean it. So my, my thought was, um, I looked at, well, first of all, I looked at what she did, and I thought, well, I could never do that. I could never take my shirt off on stage because I had this horrible, I'm a big brown boy, you know. Um, I could never do that. And something on the other side of my brain clicked and said, that's exactly why you should do it. And so I went from that, well, that's that's me shaming my own body and then being surrounded by people and, and well, there it is. I'm going to be opening up and being vulnerable and then I'm going to ask, I will ask them to take their vulnerabilities, their hurts, their own self-depreciation and put it on me because I'm strong enough to take it away for a little while. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, televangelist, preacher guy, you know, I'll take everything away from you forever. That's never going to happen. People are going to carry their baggage. But I can take it for a day or two. And while they're not, I mean, you know, technically, mentally, they're not really giving up their hang-ups. When their hang-ups come up, they've got a hook where they can go, no, no, I, I don't have to think about that today. And then it's easier to shunt it aside. Yeah. So I thought, all right, I'm doing, I was doing semi-regular shows in Charlotte at a, night, at a nightclub. And uh, I asked some friends, I asked my daughter um, to open my show with just this uh, Dr. Seuss silly nonsense, wonderful <laughs> thing that she wrote and created. And then I asked my, my friend Sky to, to do a talk on um, judging, art, art, artful people judging non-artful people, kind of turning it around, yeah. twisting it around. And she did a lovely piece about um, uh, blue shirts and khaki pants. And these are the people that are working in the office, and the artsy people go, ah, yeah, you're trapped in your cubicle, and you stop looking at them as people. You're doing exactly to them what you're accusing them of doing to us. Oh, the the reverse projection is so... Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is. And she did a beautiful piece on it, right? So that set up everything. And I had just finished my regular magic show. So they came up and did their bits. I told the audience what I was going to do, uh, again, I, you know, I said, this is, this is really serious. This is really, it could be intense. I don't know. I don't know really what to expect myself. I hired a photographer to record everything. I said, uh, I'm going to put on a song. The song is about five minutes long. If, if you don't feel you can handle it, pay your bill. Say goodnight. Take off. Understand. No hard feelings. It's all cool. I understand how things can be. And I went in the back and I took off my shoes and uh, I came back, and, and everybody had stayed. I, uh, I invited them to come up. I said, find a, find a word that uh, describes your pain. Somebody has said something to you in the past that you're carrying with you. You're not good enough. You're stupid. You're, you know, you're whatever. And well, I look I at you right now because you're in my living room. We're both wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I still see the marker on your skin right yeah. now from last night. Yeah, I literally carry it. 
I, I know you do because I've seen you do this before. Yeah. I often wonder if you hold it for two to three days before you shower to, to really keep it with you. I always wonder that. Well, the beautiful thing about Sharpie is... Um, it yeah, you can shower a couple times. Shower. It doesn't come off. Shower easily, a couple yeah. times. I, know, I know how to get it off immediately yeah. if I want to because the first couple of times... And sometimes people write on my face. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't exactly go get on a plane <laughs> with, with bitch written across my forehead. Um, well, you can once. Yeah, <laughs> once. But I got other work to do later. Yeah. Um, I said, whatever that is, focus it down to a word or a phrase. I'm going to uh, expose myself to you, you know, strip down to my shorts. And you come up and you write that word on me. And the, the deal we're making is I will accept, I'll accept it and hold it. And you have to give it up for a couple of days. Let it go. And I turned some music on, and people came up and, and cried and, and wrote and hugged me. And some of them wrote, not only wrote um, wrote their word down, but they would also write encouragement to me. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. You're beautiful. I, I'm glad you were here. You know, little things that they felt compelled to write. And, um, and it was a great, beautiful, fabulous thing. How many times have you done this show? Uh, this, uh, last night was the eighth time I've done it. I don't do it all the time. I, I, the first time I did it, I was still, I still had a, uh, like a creative team, guys that I would meet with to talk about magic and, and my show and their show and, and help each other with other things. Um, one of the, well, one of the leaders of that particular creative group said, well, you can't do it more than once because then it's just narcissistic. Because now you clearly don't have a problem taking your clothes off in public. Uh, it's no longer empowering. It's no longer vulnerable. So you, you, you've done it once. You really shouldn't do it again. And I went, I thought about that for a long time. And that, that's just not right. Are you willing to say his name? Because I would like to say something to him. Let's just call him Chuck. Fuck you, Chuck. Well, oddly enough, his brother's name is Chuck. So Because yeah. here's the thing about that. You know, and, and I, when I teach burlesque class, I always go, pick a song that means something to you, but don't pick a song that means something negative to you because you're going to be performing it forever. And I know that Alanis Morissette is constantly going, I'm so tired of singing You Ought to Know. But everybody's going, I want to hear You Ought to Know. And, th and that's where I talk about the pain that we carry with us on stage and the things that make us become performers. And while we take our clothes off and we talk about our issues and we let the audience kind of identify you took it a little bit further and you let the audience come up right. break the wall in the other direction and share their pain with you and that's that's the thing that us. made me it is us yeah. I, I say it all the time when we're performing art it's for the audience yes you want to work your shit out yes you want to do the stuff that is powerful to you and hope that the audience comes in and goes that's powerful as well but Closing last night for the 2003 through 2017 yeah. of the show's run weekly and allowing the audience not to after the show sneak up and go, can I take a picture and carry home that weird celebrity crush? They got to walk up on the stage and they got to be a part of the experience that we experience as artists. Yeah. And you let them do that. And I thought that was the perfect way to end the show. Um Again, I don't know if I should have ended with a man in a male-dominant industry, but I certainly can't imagine anybody that represents the complete opposite of masculine to toxic behavior <laughs> being on that stage. You don't think I have masculine toxic behavior? We all have narcissistic issues. We all have hurtful well, issues. We all have the too. well, and we all have the baggage that we carry with us from you know. You've just been through a divorce after twenty. 
29. 29. 29 years, 17 days. Yeah, I love that you still do the 17 days. Yeah. That's kind of like people who go, oh, my child is 18 months old. Just say a year and a half. Jesus Christ, my don't divorce, make me do math. <laughs> my divorce is 29. Yeah. Was 20, um, my, my marriage uh, grew to the age of 29 years and 17 days. My first one was six weeks. Yeah. My second one, we were together for I don't know how long. We were married for tax purposes and split up almost immediately after that. You know, what we've talked about marriage. We've talked about being an artist. We've talked about dealing with spouses and the instability sure. of income and the all of the things that come with that. But, you know, I don't, much like I don't consider closing Monday Night Tees down a failure, I certainly don't consider either of my marriages a failure. And I hope you... I hope you. No, no. I hope you grab your leg and write, you know, <laughs> do something about it on your leg and let it go. Hellacious success. My marriage was was a big success. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna clock it in at 27 years of awesome, and two years and some change of, okay, what the hell happened? That was I, my I still, last two years of Monday Night Teens. I think, what the hell? I mean, Why am I still doing this? You know, it was like, I go to, I would go in, I, honestly, I would show up, I would have sex with the audience, and I would go home and go, yeah, I really, can I go somewhere else now? <laughs> it was a love-hate relationship in the end. But that, I think with anything that happens, because you can outgrow your spouse. I believe in serial monogamy. I don't believe in marriage. <laughs> okay. I believe that you have the possibility of having incredible intense connections with people for as long as it lasts sure and when i, I have just i mean i have stops, lost yeah. my belief in marriage I, I i believed in it one at one point very wholeheartedly uh -huh. i guess while it was working for me i don't know well, i think all of this, it's kind of like finding god at the end you know yeah, it's like oh, hey no, you know what wait. maybe i should try that you should try that I, but it, now I've, I've gone I, I i won't say that i've gone completely in the opposite direction because at the moment, I don't have any interest in a relationship at all. I'm not looking to reestablish. You mean you know what I mean? Well, you can't reestablish because that relationship is gone. You'll well, start no, no, a new no, no, one. No, no, no. I, that, that, that but but what I mean by that is you'll never have that white picket fence and the kids again. That's no, gone. That I'll never have not. a Monday Night Tease again. I may have something else. Oh, I'll yeah. never have my first husband or my second husband again sure. or the great things we did, but... You know, you see, that was the issue with, yeah. with um, let's call her Donna, <laughs> who, uh, you know, we, we dated briefly, and it was, and the issue came up of, well, I, I want children, and I want family, and I'm going, babe, I've done it, and yeah. I'm not, I have no zero interest in that at all, and it's not even something you could begin to talk me out of. It's my past, yeah. and, and that was the end of it, that, you know. That doesn't so. sometimes. Be, well, again, I don't know. You know, I don't know that girl very well. Yeah. I, 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 Hannibal dated briefly. Um, this girl. And, Let's call it two weeks. Briefly. Yeah. Well, and but but again, when people always go, oh, "I'm dating someone," I'm like, "You're dating someone, or are you like dating people until you find someone that it kind of works with?" When I split up, I I fucked all of L.A. I didn't date anybody. Right. And then I met Eddie, and I was like, "Oh, you're kind of cool. Let's hang out until it's not cool anymore." Eight years later, we're still together. Still cool. Yeah. Um. You know, because again, I wasn't like, "I want to get married and I want to have children." He doesn't want, you know. So it was like we we found each other at the right time, and it's working really well. And it's and he's been incredibly supportive over this last year of bullshit. Sure. You know, and and the, the knee surgery stuff and all that bullshit, he's been incredible for. 
Um, and as he always says, you, oh, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. I can't say that. Can't say that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you all, you give and, and you take in that relationship mm-hmm. and I'm going to go back to the audience. You give and take in that relationship. Yes. And I think right now you're having a mad love affair with an audience. I am. And it's, uh, it's growing in, 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 I mean, I, I love what I do and yeah. I mean, but a lot of people love what they do. A lot of people love performing. I, I mean, I don't want to make this about me. This is about you. We're doing an interview with you because this, oh, no, no, what no. this podcast is, is essentially getting behind the minds of people who I think are creative and talented okay. and learning what works for them, what doesn't work for them so that the people who are listening can yeah. say, I relate to that just like we do for our audience. I love setting up a table on the street and performing for whoever comes by and resting my faith in I'm good enough to stop a crowd, hold them, and ask them to give me money, and them not get upset with that, you know, with that relationship. That asking for money is always a really weird thing. We talk about in burlesque, mm-hmm. fuck you, pay me. It's one of my favorite hashtags, sure. it's fuck you, pay me. Um, but in burlesque, when you're doing something on a stage, it's a lot different than doing something on the street. You can't sure. you can't go busk by burlesque dancing. You can no. busk by adjacent art forms that are burlesque, and you can do things that are burlesque. Right. But you can't actually do striptease. And Which I still define I still define striptease as the full meaning of burlesque. It's you know yes. telling a story, taking your clothes off, dancing to music. Right. The, those three things, if those don't happen, it it, it doesn't work for so me. So that makes my act burlesque. Your act is very much burlesque, which is why I did it, even though it's burlesque adjacent, because it's also performance art and it's magic. And it's magic. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't consider myself, I, I don't feel accepted by the magic community. Now, I have. That's on, probably not a bad thing. <laughs> it's, and, and in some ways, it's not a bad thing. I have been on the cover of the, the biggest magic magazine there is, you know, a cover and cover story. 13 pages of not talking about my magic. 13 pages of talking about me and my home life and my philosophy and my theory. And I'm going, I'm so down with that. Do you know why? about the tricks. Because you can't describe what you do on stage when you do magic. I watch people come up to you after the show. Um, mm-hmm. And I watch them say, thank you, this was amazing. I've never experienced anything like this. We just, you know, we literally cried because we lost an institution in L.A. Yeah. And then you took our pain away during this time of all the shit that we... What did you say on stage last night that made me so, laugh so hard? It's 2017 and there's fucking Nazis? And there's How still you, fucking Nazis? And there's still fucking Nazis. Why are there, why are there, why Nazis? Are there Nazis? I just... I laughed so hard. I was just like... Yeah. But it's but it's true. And right now, artists, which are creative people who tend to be non-binary in the sense of cubicle work and stuff like that, and they may still do that in their day life and do this because, again, it's hard to make a living doing this. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I, I hear no so many more times than I hear yes. That's the nature of the um, It is the nature of the business. We are in continuous job interviews. The reason that entire story is about you and not about what you did on stage is because it's fascinating after someone watches you perform your magic, which is stunning. And I know you always say it's not technically the, you know, it doesn't yeah, matter. Raised, yeah. You create magic on stage with your magic. A lot of people perform tricks. Sure. And then I get... So I'm trying to, uh, I was trying to get out here to LA to work in the fall yeah. so that I can look for housing. I can look for stuff. I can, yeah. you know, I don't even know how that's going to work out. We'll see. Uh, so I, uh, Jack said, 
Call me when you're ready. Jack is the Jack, entertainment uh, director at the Academy the Magic. of Magical Arts, which books all of the shows at the Magic Castle. Yes. So I, I, uh, I phoned Jack up and I said, here's a couple of dates. What's good for you? And he, he said, uh, this date or this date, and we, we chose a week. And he said, now I have to take this to the board. They have to approve of you um, coming in. I'm like, Because you can't just get a job anywhere. People right. can't just go, you're awesome, let me give you money and you can do something. And I've been, you know, 15 different appearances and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a definite crowd draw and people come to see me and they're like, no, you got to prove yourself. So he came back from the board and he said, well, the board says it's okay, but they want a whole new act. They want something that you've not done here before. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I said, yeah, okay. But in my mind, I'm going, why? I mean, you, you want me to change everything because what we've seen it all? You've seen Because nobody I mean? ever goes to a concert and says, oh, there's an encore? Let's hear Freebird. I don't understand that. It's, I'm just going to drop yeah. Johnny Thompson. Yeah, I mean, there are magicians who have traveled the world with one act. One act, with eight minutes. Yeah. And people will come back continually and see you again. Last night I asked afterwards, I said, have you ever seen Naked Truth before? And a couple of people were like, it's the reason I came. When I saw that wow. Hannibal was here, I was hoping that was what he was doing. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, I mean, we get this in burlesque as well. It's like last night Nikita did her Godzilla act. Mm -hmm. You know, I Facebook lived some of the show. I've never done that before because I'm always like, hey, buy a ticket, see my tits. Sure. I don't want to give them away on the internet. <laughs> I would rather have an 18-page article about me than about my act. Because you can't but, describe my act. Right. You can't and describe your act. So yeah. with that, I'm, I'm not feeling accepted by... I mean, I don't... I'm just going to put my hand up and say, I am never going to be Magician of the Year. I'm never going to be Close-Up Magician of the Year. I'm not, I'm not ever going to get nominated for any of those categories. And I'm going to tell you this. this is, here's, a, here's a story for you. Um, 2014... I competed. I was talked into competing because I don't do contests. Uh, Sean Farquhar came to me and said, you're not well enough known. People yeah. need to know who you are. Here's how you do it. Here's how I did it. Compete in some big things. And just so happened that IBM, SAM, and FISM all had a joint convention that summer for the North American FISM Championship. So you had the opportunity to do your act one time in front of three different sets of judges and win whatever you win. You could you could conceivably walk away with high honors in all three, go to FISM and represent North America in, uh, in Italy that year, right? So I competed against my better judgment. Blew the room away. I mean, standing ovation in a, in a contest, I, I did well. I thought yeah. I did really well. The SAM... One of their policies for contests, or their big contest, is if you compete uh, before, the before the winners are announced, you can go and talk to all the judges. We will sit in a room. You come in by yourself, and we will, we will critique your act right there for you. Here's what we saw. Here's why we thought what we thought. And here's, you know, maybe not your score, but here's what I think of your act. Here's what I thought was weak. Here's what I thought was strong. When you get your results, now you understand why we voted the way we did, right? So, I'm in the hall with all the other contestants. There's, they narrowed it down to like eight or nine at that time. And people were going in and coming out. Ashen and, oh man, he really, they, they really, 
pick the whole act apart and they saw this and they saw that and this wasn't good and that whatever you know everybody from some of the ones that I even thought were good acts where we're coming out like man I walked into the room and David Oliver was chairing at that time and David said all right can you can you take this can you accept this whatever we're going to say yeah absolutely I do this for a living there's not anything you're going to tell me that I probably haven't thought already myself David said I watched 30 seconds of your act and I put my clipboard down I didn't want to judge it I didn't want to I wanted to watch the act I wanted to get in I got into the story so heavy I wasn't judging anymore all the other judges were like yeah there's, there's nothing wrong with that act at all the, the music was perfect. The entrance was perfect. One person had, well, maybe you're not dressed appropriately for the story you're telling, but it works for you. Whatever that. <laughs> Whatever that, you know. And uh, so, yeah, there, there, we, have no, we have no critique for your act. It's brilliant, and we loved it. Which piece was this? Uh, this was Silver Memories. This was the uh, coin and cylinder. Uh, I, I, I made it into a competition act of, right. of eight minutes where I would start with the, the coins and cylinder, do the song, the, yeah. the Muppet song, and then produce the ice cream. Right. And I timed it down to exactly eight minutes. So now, do you don't know this act. I know this act because I've seen it live. I don't want to give the act back. Is this one on YouTube? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I'm really happy you brought this up because one of the things in burlesque that people talk about, and I and I try to find equivalents in other industries, and burlesque doesn't really have equivalents because we've created our own stuff and we're so new in a lot of ways. Getting feedback from being in a competition is one of the most amazing things that I've ever heard of. I don't even give that at my festival. That's gonna change next year. Thank you for that gift. Um, I, I think I need to have the judges set aside for time for people to hear it because people often question and wonder and worry and it's like, I always say don't worry about it, just leave your heart on the stage and what happens, yes. happens because any given Sunday something can happen. You can trip and you can fall on your face or whatever. That's the way I approach the contest. I'm going to do my show right. for the people. I'm not, I don't know where the judges are. I'm going to entertain this audience. Yeah. I'm going to entertain these people that are sitting at my table and the audience in general. That's the way I approached it. How did you fare in that contest? I lost I didn't even place. I went, I, I heard that, and I'm like, you have zero critique. There is nothing wrong at all. No, nothing at all. Congratulations, well done. I would I would pay to see this act. And I left the room going, I have taken first place. I've obviously taken first They can't critique anything. I've watched everybody else come out, and they're upset, and they're, you know, sad about what's going on. So at the, uh, at the awards that night, I'm sitting with my wife, and I've talked it over with Dawn, and we've, we've hashed it through, and she says, well, you've at least got SAM tied up. That's yeah. obvious. Who knows what the other people are thinking, and who knows what their perspective on it is, but you could be proud of that. Hell yes, I'm proud of that. And they announced the winners, and my name didn't come up at all. Wow. Now, here's, here's the one thing that I find ironic and funny You've got three different organizations, and first and second place for yeah. each of them. Six different names. Nobody agreed on a clear winner across all three boards. It was three different first place winners and three different second place winners. That makes me laugh. And I came in third all the way across. 
I was I was third best all the way across. I was upset. I was confused. I'm, I'm going, you tell me I have a perfect act, and I know this guy, the, the guy that won SAM that year, came out just going, man, they, I sucked. I was horrible. They didn't like anything I did, except but he won first place. Right? So I, in my confusion, I went, and I said, I, I've got a friend who was on the voting board, who was on in the judges. He, he, you know, he's not enough of a friend where you try to sway things, but he'll tell me the truth. Right. That's Eric Jones. And I went and found Eric Jones, and I'm like, you, you got to clear something up for me. You guys had nothing but praise. You had no critique for my act whatsoever, but I, I didn't even place. And Eric's like, yeah. He said the problem was magic content. And I'm going, magic content? He said, yeah, you did six powerful magic moments that moved the audience to, to almost tears at some point. Real strong heavy-duty magic, but it was only six of them in eight minutes. Meanwhile, guy who won first place did 35 or 36 magic moments where something appeared. So, you know, that, that pushed his score up. I said that he had a worse act, but he had more magic moments. And he said, yeah, that's why you lost. And it crushed me. I'm going, that's, that's one, that's not real world. As far as being paid and, and, and making a living or doing it's 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 a whole new yeah. universe for contests, and it's a bullshit answer. I had better magic. I had a better magic act. You're sitting there with a clicker going. Oh, this, this. Criteria of competition is is something that you have to understand going in if you want to win it. I know that sounds terrible, but I was in beauty pageants when I was oh, a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I, mean, I get it now. Yeah, I mean, on the Hollywood Burlesque Festival site, it says we judge these depending on the categories. Mm -hmm. These are the things that we're going to be judging. Literally, we're going to be judging you. We say right. that, and these are the things we're going to judge you for. And if you want to win this particular pageant, do your homework <laughs> and put an act in to win that pageant. You, you want to win the heart and the people and the and that of the what is the heart and the minds yeah. of the people? Yeah. Bring an amazing act. Sure. And 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 sometimes those can be the same things, not always, because again, the things that move me about watching you do a performance is not magic, which leads me back to storytelling. Or well, it leads me back to last night after the show. Okay. I watched. Let me finish this. This, this little. Okay. Go ahead. Left here. So I'm walking back to my seat, and I go and I tell Dawn, and she's angry. She's just mad. That's just wrong, you know. Um, and while we're standing there, one of the other, one of the heads of the SAM comes up and says, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I think you have a right to know. He says, you know how we award the silver medal and the gold medal for excellence and everything? He said, your points, you, you earned a silver medal, but we couldn't give it to you because you didn't place. Wow. Right? I'm like, you're right. You shouldn't have told me that. You shouldn't have. That, that's something I needed to never know. And that was that. And I, and I swore off contests, you know, for good. Oh, and then, then I got a call and they said, oh, by the way, you did qualify to go to FISM. We, we didn't give you any awards, but we'd really like for you to represent us in Italy. Yeah. So go back, going back to last night's. Well, I'm, I mean, if, uh, yeah. we'll finish the contest thing. Okay. The reason that I think this is an incredible story as well, and I think listeners of a burlesque podcast would find this fascinating, is there's a lot of talk about competitions and whether or not they're good for you and whether or not they're bad for you. 
you didn't take away an award, but you took away knowing that you you fucking made the judges put their clipboards down. Yeah. Your work is done. I did my job. Yeah, yeah. You entertained them. You gave them magic moments. You made memories that they took home with you. Because to me, that's what live entertainment is. It's experiences. It's oh, yeah. not technical skill or any of that. It, I mean, it is... But what I would book in a showcase and what I would book in the competition, the criteria is completely different as a producer. In a in a competition, there are things you have to do. You yes. know, I always joke, you couldn't get your corset off. How did you expect to win? You have one job, take your clothes, take your clothes off. off. Yeah. You had a technical out. problem. And unfortunately, <laughs> you're gonna lose points for that. Because That's the way it is, one baby. of the things is you need to be able to do that. I mean, um look at the Olympics and, and how the, the smallest little anything takes takes points off. And, and it is that a lot. And I see girls, I've seen girls cry at competitions and, and guys too. Sure. And, and I go, it's any given Sunday. It's one performance out of your body of work. Yeah. It is wonderful to be recognized by your peers, but you can make a better living having never won an award. You will get recognition being out there, going to FISM and, and competing at that, at that uh, competition, put you in front of people who then can recommend you and sure. know you and you can then work with and do other things. And the next piece you create, you can get feedback from, right. from people who are, who are your peers as opposed to peers in your industry. Right. And because of the peers in the industry things, I don't get hired for conventions. Yes. I don't get hired for X, Y, and Z for those things within the magic community. And I'm, uh, part of me goes, I really like that. But then others going, eh. It, it saddens me that you aren't. I want to teach a class at a magic convention called uh, How Not to Be a Creepy Asshole on Stage to yeah, Female yeah. Participants. Um, because it's, you know, understanding who your character is and understanding how you're going to relate to different audience members. And when you're a 22-year-old guy and you bring a girl up in a short dress and you say, oh, that's a lovely dress you're almost wearing, that mm. is completely different than the self-effacing older man who's been doing magic since the 50s who goes up and does it and everybody goes, ha, 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 that's hysterical. Or well, the, look at the trouble Michael Finney got Well, into. yeah, Michael Finney got into a lot of trouble for that. Um, but 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 ha knowing knowing your audience and knowing who you are entertaining, and that's why there are so many different things about developing an act for competition and developing an act sure. for real-world performance. Have I told you my story about MAES? I don't think so. Okay, let me finish my other story here. You do so, that. Do so that. last night I actually watched someone come up to you and go, you know your magic was great. When you did that trick and you found the card and then you found the other card and it was like, I, I have no idea how you did that or how, I, and that yeah. fascinated me. I know your technical skills are as good as everyone else's. The difference is you, you use magic, you use magic the way little girls go, I'm going to grow up and marry a prince and be a princess. <laughs> yeah. Um, other people use magic in, in, in a different way on stage. Um, you can use cards technically and you can use cards for storytelling and the thing that i love about you and i love about burlesque is the storytelling it's i can see a beautiful girl anywhere it's building things. Yeah. it's not yeah. it's not using it as a weapon yeah i'd much rather build something and, and create something i mean i talk about it in the act itself this is my paintbrush this is my blank canvas yeah. i can do anything i want with this i can disturb you I can make you laugh. I can make you cry. I can piss you off if I want to. It's it's all right here. The instrument's not going to change. It's it's the end of my hand that's going to do it. There's a power as entertainers that so many people abuse, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You do have the emotions of that audience, and you have 
the ability to control them any way you want. Dealing with hecklers is something that drives me crazy because a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah, Yeah, you have to care about your audience. I used to say when I go to perform, I would take a bath and powder my body and shave my legs and do my hair and literally go there to fuck the audience. It is like my first date. It is the first time I'm going to have sex with all of these people and it's a great experience. And at the end of it, we are all going to be spent, I hope. Um, And people would say to me, does it bother you that somebody might go home and masturbate to your act? And I'm like, no, it kind of makes me hot. I would, I would love that someone would go home and masturbate to my act. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Please, touch me, magic write boy. me and let me know that that yeah. happened. If you're listening to this and I, and I touch you that way, you don't have to send pictures, just let me know. Um, you've seen me deal with hecklers. Oh, I've seen you deal with club. hecklers. It's beautiful. What do you think of that? I, I think it's fantastic. So many people assault them in a way because they're trying to regain the power. You fucking just basically, you sedate them. Is that a good way them. to describe I it? Yeah. Them back. yeah. They, I always look at it as they're loving the, the moment yeah. and they're so caught up in the moment they want to be a part of it. They want a little yeah. bit of attention. And so I will give them a little bit of attention. And if that's not enough, I'll give them a little bit more to the point where they're suddenly going, oh, this, this is not exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And they'll shut themselves down without me having yeah. to be insulting. Because it's it's biggest human fear supposedly standing up in front of people and and talking to them. Well, I just turned the spotlight right back around on you. How are you going to handle that? What do you think? A lot of people can. It's hard. Right. And so they'll they'll shut down on their own. I don't have to insult them. And then I'll seduce them right back into what's we're what we're catch up with the rest of the group. We're all going to be cool. M A E S. They asked me to come. What does M-A-E-S? Middle Eastern Association of Sorcerers or something like that. So fantastic. We don't have enough acronyms in Berlin. We don't. don't. I like Behoff. (laughs) used to be Mew. Because it used to be Miss Exotic World. Behoff is such a great word, though. Behoff, yes. Um, It's like David Hasselhoff's younger sister, Behoff. Mm -hmm, Behoff. Well, it it actually kind of is. Kind of is. Sometimes it's a hot mess. Sometimes it's awesome. Um, they had asked, they, they wanted to do their convention. It was a little two day convention where they wanted to do a focus on storytelling. So the headliners were me and Max Howard. Okay. And Max is a genius storyteller as far as as, uh, what he does and the way he approaches things. I I love what he, I've learned a lot from him. Um, I'm not going to say anything about the students or passing his master because that would be rude. (laughs) But the first, they, they said, you're going to do your show Friday night. Then you'll do a lecture on your show um, Saturday morning. Then Max will do his show, do a lecture immediately following it, talking about what he did, and then we'll have the two of you close out. So, great idea. We don't do that in burlesque. What would a lecture about your show consist of? Would you talk about how you developed it, why you developed it? Yes. The, the breakdown of the artistic process. Right. I don't talk okay. about how the tricks are done. No, I talk about how I built the story, where the story came from, what it means to me, how I related it out to the audience, and how I use the props as a vehicle to get it there. All about storytelling. So the acting equivalent of you is method. Um, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. First night, doing my show, I ask for uh, a volunteer. Young lady at 21, 22. Clearly not a magician because of her attitude. Uh, throws her hand up, and every instinct in me went, don't pick her, don't choose her. But everybody else that I could see, because of the lights and stuff, everybody else that I could see in that show, 
were grumpy old magician dudes. Uh, okay, I'm kind of... I don't want to get into a challenge situation with a magician on stage. It's just not going to be good. It's not going to relate when I want to relate. That age, I've got I've got kids that age. I can handle it. I can. I know anything she throws at me is not yeah. going to be a surprise. She's not going to expose a prop to make me look bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where a magician might. So I called her up on stage, and she came up, and she was happy till she got to the to the stage. And her entire demeanor changed, and she became challenging, and she became kind of rude and kind of, kind of well, yeah, it wasn't impressive, and I, okay, it was just a card trick, and and whatever, and I recognized the problem, and I brought her back, I turned it around, and I, it wasn't that amazing, and I, I stopped talking to them, while I talked to her, right, and we we just had a show between the two of us for a few moments. And then she was back on my side, and the rest of it went beautifully. But, I mean, it was a point of absolute contention. Like, she wasn't intoxicated, but she was as bad as the worst drunk I've ever had in a comedy club situation, other than throwing stuff. She was just not going to be, you know, she was going to show me who was in charge. So the show closed out, and we did, you know, fabulous, and it, it was a great show, and the people were pleased. Next morning, I'm in the lecture, and I'm talking about it, and I throw things open for questions. And a guy stood up and said, now, you've been to magic conventions. Yes, I have. Get that picture in your head. If you don't know what that picture is, it is, it is literally a lot of men who don't know how to relate to anything other than cards. <laughs> yes, specifically. <clears throat> I don't mean to be, but it is. It's, it's, it is it's, exactly that. It's, there's definitely stereotypes in art forms, and there is an awkwardness of sociability. That Sociability? So, yeah, I'll work with that. Okay. That um, my, the dyslexia, sometimes I bring the wrong word up, and I'm like, that's not exactly what I meant to say. Um, but that there's an awkwardness in, in the ability to have social settings with people of the opposite sex yeah. because you've spent so much time sitting focused on <laughs> this, this deck of cards. Deck of cards. Yeah. yeah. Have a life. Yeah. It's, it's weird. He says, can you teach us how to deal with uh, hecklers and troublesome spectators like that? That girl that was up on stage, very that girl that was up on stage with you last night, everybody was really mad at her. And I'm I'm standing now. I'm you know everything's lit up now. You know it's a lecture hall, and she's there. I don't know if she's somebody's daughter or somebody's significant other or whatever. She's clearly not a magician, but she's there and she's there at every event. She's not. She's kind of sitting off by herself. So I'm assuming daughter. And dude is just flat out. She was trouble, and you handled it beautifully. And I went, hold up. Here's your problem. Here's your mindset. I didn't handle her. I related to her. I, I talked to her. I, I let her know that we were on the same team and we're here. You're going to be a part of this great experience. I said, I would be willing to bet anything right now that the reason she treated me the way she did when she first came on stage is because she's been treated that way by you. Yep. By people like you that, that have... She's been to magic conventions. She's the cute girl on stage. Always gets called up on stage. And she's been abused and talked down to and everything else. So she came up with her guns out. She's going to, you know, before I'm able to do anything, she's going to take me down. And this is the exact words I used. I said, it's not her fault. It's you bitches. You have trained her to be that way. I had to untrain that. I deal with that every day for people that have seen other magicians. There is a tendency to do that. There's a tendency in comedy as well. There's a tendency to see your audience as 
the enemy. Yeah. The people that need to be conquered and rather than rather than led. Right. Yeah. It's it's and it's, and it's easy to step to, to you talk about empowerment. It's easy to take that word and and overdo it. Yes. To to browbeat someone or yeah. to, to to lord that part over them. Rather than loving your audience. Last night, Heather did an act that I actually love. Heather Henderson did Dear God. Mm-hmm. She sings. Um, it, it, specifically in this time, we, we originally did the show in uh, the Lil Axe, I Speak for the Vaginas. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and it was all women's issues, voting issues, rights issues, body autonomy, all of that. And religion plays a big part of that. And I said to her, would you do Dear God? And she's like, I would love to. So she comes out dressed as a nun. She sings it. She strips. Um, she's an atheist. She's got ardent atheists across her chest. Yeah. Um, there are ways to inform and change the mind of your audience without beating them over the head. She walked out in one expectation, completely stripped almost naked with Jesus covering her nipples mm-hmm. and, 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 and a, a cross arguing with God. I mean, it's a beautiful piece yeah. as a song, but to, all the elements together really well. to have a woman sing it and be naked yeah. in front of it is an incredibly powerful experience to go look at how it treats all of us, look at how it treats, and, and change that. And and after she performed, I said, you know, I, I don't believe in God. If you believe in God, that's a great thing. Do that for you. But in times like this, we need more than just prayer. We need your yeah. hands as well. Yeah. Dig in and help us change things. Because, you know. and Those truckloads of prayer are moving their way down well, to Texas to help those people. And then I moved on. And then we did the next thing. And all I could hope with that performance and that act is that somebody went, you know, the church isn't everything. And you're right. I'm going to volunteer more rather than give money and pray on Sunday. And that's all I could hope for. I didn't beat them over the head. I didn't tell them they were wrong with religion. Heather didn't come out and go, you're all fucking assholes. We presented a piece of art. She never once said you're wrong. No. Or this is, this, no. It's, this is my that song asks questions. My... And, yes. when, and when you're asking questions while you're being in one of the most vulnerable positions you can be, which is naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in lovemaking, if you don't talk to your partner about what you want and what you need, because you're too scared, you you're feel vulnerable, you feel like you're never going to get it. And that that again is how I relate to the audiences. It's all foreplay, it's all an orgasm, and then we all go home and have to go back to our lives the next day. Right. Um, this has been fascinating. I want to talk to you forever. Um, okay. But I also try to keep these to about an hour, and I think we're probably there in a few minutes. Okay. I didn't always ask this question. I wish I did. Um, what is the greatest piece of advice that you've gotten from someone that you look up to in your entertainment field? The greatest piece of advice that I've ever got. My, my answer is going to sound packed. It's going to sound, it's going to, it's not going to sound as powerful as it actually is. Um, Oh, as a, as a callback that, that when I called the magician's bitches. Yeah. Max Howard stood up in the back and gave me a standing ovation. That's awesome. He's like, oh, that's exciting. Giovanni Lavera, uh, early on in my career, uh, saw something in me. He took me aside at a convention. He's like, I'm watching all the other guys jamming. I'm watching what you're doing. And I watched that little thing you did over here. He says, there's a certain thing in performance where some people have it and some people don't. He says, you're not there yet. You're not you know, you're, you're still in your, you're learning. You haven't learned how to command an audience yet, but you've got it. And, and we started talking about, I said, how do you, how do you be successful in entertainment? And he said, I want you to write this down. Be, 
be a list. Okay. The list consisted of have a kiff, have a kick-ass act. I said everything <laughs> else will follow that. You have a kick-ass act, and that's it. You, 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 you can sell crap for a while. Yeah. But having the act, having the, having the heart and soul and putting yourself into it is, is what really matters in the end. So the best advice I got was write a kick-ass act. That's and, what you did. And that's what I did. That's what I continue to, to do or, or strive to do. Um, Eugene Berger. Aww. Yeah. Later on, um, in, in some of the mentoring he did for me, um, I'm trying to think of exactly how he put it, but it was, it was along those same lines. It's, um, I'm, it's escaping me now. I started thinking too much about Eugene. And, uh, I know. He did, we just lost Eugene. It was, it was yeah, pretty he, painful. Uh, uh, huge mentor. Yeah. Huge mentor. Never really famous. Never a big name. Not outside. Not of, outside of the, this little yeah. circle. But the, the worlds he changed. Yeah. Just being himself. Yeah. Having a kick-ass act. You know, did it. If I were to ask you, because I do magic, um, I do the female virgin version of magic, and I call it that simply because I can't do magic. I can't get up and do the shtick that men do. Okay. Um, because um, I, I have I have a different perspective than most men do, and the the male perspective of magic on stage is different than a female perspective. Sure. And when females try to do the male version of it, I think they sell themselves shorts because there are dif- there are differences. Yes. There are things that we relate to audiences with in a different way. I use comedy of the vagina um, because, again, I'm a feminist and I've been a rights activist forever. Sure. Um, what advice would you give to someone outside of Get a Kick-Ass Act? What is something else that you've discovered or learned that when you're mentoring someone you feel can help them to be a better performer? And I say performer because, again... This mostly focuses on burlesque, but it won't always focus on just burlesque because burlesque is not limited to just strip teeth. Sure. It's not. Um, I mean, do uh, take it in front of people as often and as aggressively as you can. When you can get your feet on the stage, regardless of whatever it pays, it doesn't pay, whatever, get your feet on the stage and, and do the act. Do you want to... You continue your analogy you can jerk off all day yeah it, it's not going to improve your sex life you you have to get with partner or partners or whatever and learn from the audience learn from your partner what generally works what 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 is a good <laughs> how, how how far can i go with this you can go all the way to fucking i don't care <laughs> if you knew the number of women, women that I have not slept with. Let me let me qualify this in conversations yeah. that I've gotten to. How many men don't know how to eat pussy? Oh yeah, it's it's staggering, and I'm going, why not? Like, well, one, so a lot of them just don't want to. Yeah. Others of them try to get it over with as quickly as they can. I mean, you're describing a magic act. You kind of are. You yeah. kind, you know, get it get it done and get out. Go to the stuff that I like to do. And I'm going, no, that's no. I guess I was lucky I was taught young, you know, in, in college, no, no, babe, this. Yeah. This is what does it. And I, and I found out, that, oh, God, that's true. 
There, there are a lot of. I'm so, sorry, I don't so, want to jump so, on you. To, to finish the thought, it's had I not learned that, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I wouldn't be as good in bed as I can be. You can't not get in front of an audience again and again and again and fail and get booed and 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 have people go, you know, eh, not so much, whatever. Fail and keep trying and getting in front of the audience again and again and again until you learn that relationship and you learn that and yeah. you establish it. So have the kick-ass act, do the kick-ass act. Can I add to that? Go ahead. When you when you talked when you talked a little bit before about about turning the audience around and turning a heckler around. Every pussy's different. Oh yes. Every audience is different. But no, you, know but your pussy. Know, know your, your pussy, audience. But 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 within a moment. Yeah. Within a moment of addressing the pussy. Yeah. You're gonna go. This will work. This yeah. not so much. I'll try this. She didn't like that. Great. Let's try this over here. It's it's a learning process. Yeah. And again, it's it's experience. It is honestly, it's the experience of. I will dance the audience to this end. I will try a joke in this way to see if they'll follow me. Yeah. And if I get more groans and I get laughs, then I'm going to dance a little bit over this side to see where they go. And after a while, after a relatively short while, it becomes instinctive rather than than conscious. Yeah. You know, you, 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 get, you get to know the audience will dance this way with me to the point where I can, the, the value of an opening act. Yeah. And watching how they relate to them, and you go, okay, this is what they're kind of into, this we're not so much into, yeah. and you, you go from there. I've I've been booked in the wrong venue. Oh hell yeah! Where the producer loves your act, but puts you in front of an audience that is completely inappropriate for you, you're going to fail. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about yeah. it, and you have a choice at that point of whether or not you're going to be. Uh, self-deprecating and turn it around so that it's a joke and the audience is laughing with you so that you yes. can take them or whether or not you're going to punch them in the face with an act. Cause like I go down and I do San Diego and you know, <laughs> San Diego is behind the fucking Trump curtain. Oh, yes, you, you just, you, the moment you're down there, Santa Ana is the same way. It's like, and you can't walk in and start telling vagina jokes to a bunch of people who like don't want to hear about a vagina in any way, shape or form. You can't go in there and do strip tease that is feminist, forward stuff without the entire audience backing away from you. Right. And I think, I think much like learning the pussy or the cock in my case, or sure. both in my case, if you can walk into that room and assess it and go, I've brought the wrong act. How can I change this act or move that act is, is going to be the piece that really yeah. works. And so and that comes from experience, but I agree with you. Eat all the fucking pussy you can yes. get really good at it and, and have a kick-ass act and you're going to go far. And oddly enough, girls talk to their girlfriends and go, yeah, they hey, do. Hannibal, did you know about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's great with cards. He's great with cards. <laughs> uh, he's great with cards. Is that on your business card? Uh, is there something written on your business card? Um, I always love when there's like a, a slogan on your business card. I don't card. think I do. Okay. I don't, I don't believe that I do, no. It's been so long since I looked at my business card. It's pretty straightforward, I think. Do you still carry them? Yeah, they're, they're in my bag there oh. somewhere. I'll show it to you later. It's, it's the logo, it's the hat, you know, <clears throat> and the, the, the stylized name and then uh, the website, the phone number. And it's, 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 it's in earth tones because that's, that's the yeah. color of my comedy. That's just the way it comes out, you know. Earthy is definitely a way to describe it. Yeah. 
uh, as I was walking in the room last night, I was like, please come up and be a part of this. Please come up and be a part of this as you were standing on stage. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I forgot the name of the track. Uh, it's called Neverland. Neverland. Um, as I'm walking around and telling, this guy stops me and he goes, uh, I need to know him. I do music videos and I do this and I need it. And I'm going to give you my card. And I go, we're right in the middle of an experience. Enjoy it. Yeah. Come up to me after the show. Did okay. he come up to you after the show? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I know. After the show, it's, in that yeah. I, I, several people gave me business cards and they are also in the bag and, and yeah. things I'll have to go through. But yeah. I think I remember that of him saying something. Yeah. it's it, it, it was wonderful. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Okay. What is your website? TheMagicArtist.com Can people find you on a podcast? People can find me on a podcast. They can go to SoundCloud, uh, and my handle there is MagicArtist. They can go to iTunes and look for Hannibal Across the Table. Can they find you on Instagram and Twitter? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are, are Magic Artist as well. Um, Hannibal's amazing. And I hope that as an artist, if you're listening to this, you found some nuggets to help you in your journey. Because, you know, when, when I asked Satan Ange, Satan's Angel, you know, what, what is it about burlesque? She says, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, Happiness is the road. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's doing the work, it's getting out there, it's performing, it's creating, it's making art, and hopefully you can pay your bills at it. Hopefully you can make yes. a little money at it. Hopefully you can make more money than you spend at some point. Um, this podcast I hope is going to help you in your journey and that's, that's really why I wanted to bring it back. So there's, I, I cannot, part of it is from the band that I love, but part of it is from someone else who talk, actually had this talk with me, but it, it is so much the journey because once you've reached your, dest- your destination, then what you, you, you've, oh, I'm feeling that right now. Yeah. <laughs> But, but if, if you go into happiness is the road, happiness is not at the end of the road. Nope. Happiness is the road. Yeah. Don't get so caught up in the, how do they put it, uh, in the, in the, in the uh, pot of gold that you're not looking at the rainbow to get there. Thank you, Hannibal. Oh, my pleasure.